great sweet isn't that great uh wednesday march 30th great day to be alive again i thought something was fucking getting me dude i was pissed i took a bong rip thursday i woke up like oh god i think i'm dying i don't know if it was a cold or what but i guess allergies have been going around going around fucking heavy dude so i'm thankful i don't think it was anything been taking allergy medicine having a tough time breathing but it's all good baby Woke up five pounds over. Uh, Wayne's are Saturday morning at 6 a.m., so I'll cut a couple pounds Friday night. And then Saturday, I'll cut a couple more, rehydrate, and then and then do what we do, baby. Do the, yeah, do what we fucking do. So uh, episode 35. Uh, th- today's guest is going to be uh, Dan Garner. He's um He's been Sean's nutritionist now. He's been helping me out with a, a handful of things for... I'm going to have to ask him, but I think about three years. Um, but he's he's pretty much a scientist. He's probably one of the smartest guys I've talked to about nutrition. Um, so we'll get a deep dive. And I did a list of probably like six or seven guests on Patreon and just had the people vote. I like the people on Patreon's input because I and, and those are the kind of the main supporters of the pod since we don't really have any sponsors right now. So... And uh, JX is going to vlog this whole trip. He's been vlogging some of the training. Um, and we'll drop that on Patreon also. And I'm working on with a Thorn Supplements. Um, it's the supplements Dan Garner recommends. It's the supplements all the UFC fighters recommend. I'm working on starting a thing. And I don't know if I'm going to just do it for Patreon yet, but probably. Where we get probably up to 30, 30 35, 25% off of the supplements. So we can keep keep us... Uh, dialed in and we'll talk to dan garner and shit about the importance of that but had theo vaughn could you turn mine up a little bit jay thank you had theo vaughn in here uh yesterday he he was in town for like a meeting or something and he wanted to run one of his pods how cool is theo he's like one of the coolest yeah that i've met out of like everybody we've met so far yeah he's fucking down to earth i mean exactly how you think he'd be that's how he is and he's just a a guy you could just hang out with cool shooting the shit it's he's just such a natural comedian huh he doesn't even yeah, he like, doesn't try. try yeah a lot of it i think is his accent but he's just a funny motherfucker too yeah he is it's weird he's 41 damn i didn't know he was that old yeah i thought he was like mid 30s maybe but so when we're when we're that age hopefully we're just fucking around Goofy, the same huh? way yeah <laughs> brian Callen's 55 damn Vintage. He's 55, dude. That's crazy. Still a good-looking guy for 55 and pretty fucking limber, it seems like. Yeah, I remember when I was like 14, 13, and I would look at like even like a 30-year-old like, damn, you're so old, you know? Yeah. And now I'm like getting close to that age, and I'm like, dude, what the fuck? I feel like 18. Still so. a fucking little, little pipsqueak. Little knucklehead. Um, what else we got going? JX got me a coffee. How come you got me a coffee today? 
You got it free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, they give you two accidentally? No, no. So there's one girl, like, I talk to the baristas a lot, and they, like, know me and stuff. And then, but another barista just came up to me. She's like, hey, do you want this free coffee? And I was like, sure. I'll give it to my bud. Damn. And and Thanks I got that. mine for free, so both free coffees. <laughs> baristas that, love brother. me, puppy. Damn, so JX is back on the market again. What's it been like? Week, week single? Two weeks, week? three weeks. It's been like a month now. Oh, yeah. Time's flying. Uh... It's been great, man. I love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I just feel free. I mean, at first adjusting to yeah. the breakups, like fuck. Yeah, I'm not like too like heartbroken because like it, we're always on and off, you know. Yeah. So it's just not like a like I don't know. It just it just feels like okay, well, like we're breaking up again. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but it, crazy. yeah, yeah. At first, it was like kind of weird, obviously, like sleeping by yourself and just like. Like, it's just quiet at home, you know what I mean? But at the same time, how I was telling you, like, I'm pretty used to just being by myself, you know? Yeah. I spend a lot of time, like, whether it's editing or whatever, I have a lot of time where I'm just by myself. So I'm not, like, it's not, like, too much of a foreign feeling to me. Uh Uh-huh. So I'm pretty used to it now. It's, like, nice, but I'll have my days where I'm just at home, fucking shit everywhere. I'm, like, I'll clean it up whenever I want. (laughs) (laughs) But then, yeah, it's been chill. I like it. Nice. I wonder what kind of latte this is. Why does it taste like shit? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking little poop poop latte. No, no, I'm grateful. It's good. It's good. (laughs) Come to the gym yesterday, the new gym, and the back fucking corner's flooded. Oh, that's great. Uh, I mean, April 4th, we're planning on moving all the mats out of my gym and putting them in this gym. Zebra said, my new mats and my new cage got delayed. So they're not even going to ship out till April 8th. So it's just like, but with the business and with moving it into a bigger building, I'm planning on fucking problems, but I'm going to try not to let them stress me out too bad. I mean, I got a lot of fucking help. I mean, so many people on the team are like willing to help and smart motherfuckers. So we'll get it going and it'll be good. Uh, Yeah. So this should be a good episode. This should be a good episode. And I want to make it not just for athletes, but just for everyday people talking about Dan Garner and about the proper diet. And we'll kind of make it about athletes too. Um, Yeah. What else? What are you and your brother going to do when he's in town? Uh, Oh yeah. My brother's all mad, huh? Oh yeah. Dallas's uh, birthday is April 9th. He booked an Airbnb. I'm like, dude, my fucking brother's coming to town. Sean's dad's coming to town. We got our family coming to town. So uh, I don't know. We'll probably just hang out. Maybe have a little, uh, a little fight party barbecue. Hang out. I should have Matt on the re- the recap. I mean, yeah, he would be good to talk to. Uh, other than that, yeah, nothing crazy. I- I'm planning for a tough fucking weekend, a long weekend of partying. Yeah, Steve Aoki. Trying to let my fucking train, just trust my fucking training, and just go out there and give it my best effort. I'm curious to how they're going to do the seating because I could have the best guy first match. I could have a purple belt or a blue belt first first match. So who knows? But uh, I'm ready to go. So it's crazy that because like you could be a blue belt and just sign up for it technically. Or Anyone can sign up. Oh damn! Yeah. Wild. So. So we'll see. Uh, what's the password for your compute? Can't say. Come on. We'll get on the on call with Dan Garner. Big Dick Dan Garner. Let's go. 
been drinking about a little over a gallon every day. Um, I post some of the stuff that, that they, they even send on the Dan sends on Patreon too. So yeah, I sent them. How are you, brother? I'm doing good, buddy. How you doing? Doing good. That's a sweet little setup you got at your house. Thanks, man. Yeah, I uh, shoot a lot of videos for uh, for labs, as you know. So I got to have a pretty good setup here. Yeah, the video. I mean, the videos you send, Sean, are so fucking like intricate and 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 good. I mean, there's not many people I feel or that I've ever met that are on your level, like nutrition wise. You've been a part of the the Sugar Show team for how many years now? Three. Yeah, it was at the beginning of 2019, I believe, uh, six fights now we, we've done as a team together. Damn. And it's and it's crazy because, I mean, most nutritionists and stuff would probably be sending the same shit, same shit over and over. But you guys are constantly getting Sean's poop tested, his blood, I mean, pee tested. Um, what kind of tests are you doing with him that are showing all the changes that are happening with him as he grows? Yeah, I mean, physiology is constantly moving and shifting, and it's very important for professional athletes to adapt to that shift. Uh, the way your fight camp's going, the way your schedule is, if you're going to travel and fight in Abu Dhabi compared to fighting right there in Phoenix or uh, Vegas, these all create impacts on physiology. And it's my job to identify how Sean's system adapts to that total stress load be it psychological, emotional, environmental, his training, his travel, I have to identify how he adapts to those stressors and adjust accordingly in order to ensure that he's always optimized. Because even on the surface level, if you were to ask Sean right now, hey man, are you the same guy you were in 2019? He'd be like, no, I'm not that guy at all. And I'm sure you would feel that same way. I'm sure all the listeners would feel that same way. Because you're different, your physiology is different. And if, if we're doing our job appropriately and we want to win the title, we want to be a one percenter in this world, just like you would change the training, you've got to change the nutrition to support those changes. That, that's something that I actually see a lot of fighters do is have one recipe that they use for the rest of their career. But then um, in a lot of cases, that also amounts to the same performance for the rest of one's career. You get see a lot of guys simply get trapped. Whereas sugar, he continues to elevate his game as time goes on. And that, uh, the, the whole team that we have around him constantly adapting to the new challenges that he has is a reflection of that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Because I mean, ever since we brought you on, I mean, I was making his meals for him just ran. I mean, not random shit, but stuff that is just like based on books I've read and different diets that, that he's done too. But ever since you came on, it took so much just stress off me and it gave it, gave him something just not even to question whatever Dan says, we're doing it. And then the layouts you have three weeks out, four weeks out, five weeks out, and then fight week. It's just so nice. And it gives us peace of mind to be able to just follow that directly. And I don't think many guys in the UFC are doing it at the level he's doing it. Yeah, I, I agree, dude. Uh, there's a lot of guys. People are surprised when they hear that too, by the way. They're like, it's a professional athlete. Don't they already have everything like totally dialed in? I'm like, no, a, a lot of times not actually, uh, especially in the fight world where th there's this real strong grip on old school methodologies that people want to use to 
basically reflect maybe a tough mindset rather than utilize current sports science literature to actually do the best thing that you're supposed to do. You know, people kind of get stuck in that like Rocky montage of boxing frozen dead deers and eating whatever, you know, like that, like almost like that's a part of the process. And it's, it's important to have a resilient mindset, but to not utilize advancements in sports science to your advantage in a fight camp to both perform and recover better. That's something that um, I think it, it is very silly to do. You should always be at the cutting edge of the literature, especially when you're in a position like Sean, say, looking for a new contract, waiting for another fight, uh, whatever it's going to be. Uh, you got to be on top of absolutely everything. And that's my job. And I kind of like how you said, um, like, there's no guesswork involved there. And that's, that's, I love that too. And that's why I actually use labs because people can get trapped if you're reading books or if you're listening to a podcast or if you attend a local seminar, man, it, it's very easy to, to become, to get under the spell of somebody because they'll be charismatic. They'll have one-liners. They'll show you real scientific evidence supporting whatever their current bias is within that conversation. And you can get trapped and really think that that's the way. And I know athletes get trapped that way, but coaches can get trapped that way too. And that's one of the big reasons I use labs because labs have a beautiful way of not giving a shit what you think about them. They are going to be the result no matter what. Physiology doesn't care what you believe in. It's going to respond positively or negatively to your protocols, period. And we are able to measure that without bias in labs. So in many ways, that guides, that is the compass at which we use in order to make 100% bias-free decisions on what's going to get Sean results. Yeah, and it's crazy because maybe maybe one fight camp he's he's able to eat eggs and eggs are digesting good, and then you get this labs checked. However, many months later, and then it's you see the eggs are causing inflammation, so you switch it up to something else. Um, yeah, that that's crazy to me how your body can change, and all of a sudden something that was digesting good and was good for you now it's like not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that can happen. Um, do you want to get into kind of why that's the case? I mean, I guess. Uh, for, for people that aren't super smart like me. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, cool. So it's not so it's too hard to, so what happens is your mind, uh, your, your total stress load, you, the body, the way in which it takes on stressors is very, very similar. So if it's an environmental stress, a psychological stress, an emotional stress, a physical stress. Uh, a lot of these create nearly identical stress responses in physiology, or so to keep it super simple, an increase in cortisol, which is a stress hormone. Um, elevations in stress are incredibly well documented within the literature to have a negative outcome on gastrointestinal health. This is extremely, extremely well documented. And what can happen is you can actually create something known as uh, some people will call it leaky gut kind of in like the, the layman type of term. It's really known as intestinal permeability where you can have microscopic holes within your intestinal network. And this microscopic hole, and this is, I'm, I'm very, I'm keeping it very brief. What will happen is a whole food product can actually enter circulation before it's been properly broken down. Anything is only supposed to enter circulation if it's in its smallest form, like protein. You don't want chicken to enter 
your arteries. You want amino acids there. You don't want a sweet potato to be in your bloodstream. You want glucose in your bloodstream. So your stomach does very important things to break this down to its fine form before it enters circulation. But stress can create that gut permeability that I talked about, where you can have little tiny holes in your intestinal lining. And then that allows whole food particles to enter circulation. That's where it becomes a real problem. Because if there's a whole food particle in circulation, then your immune system turns on because there's not that now it's being considered a foreign invader. Something is in circulation that should not be there. So what happens is your immune system, basically long story short, tags that item as a foreign invader. It says, hey, I know you, I do not want you here. I'm gonna create a ton of inflammation in order to destroy you. And not only am I gonna destroy you, I'm gonna remember you for next time. So you actually create and develop a type of food sensitivity to where if that happened, for example, with an egg, like your example, then that immunity will actually tag that food as a problem, even if it doesn't enter circulation again. So if you just had an egg for breakfast, even if it's in your stomach and intestinal lining, your immune system says, hey, I remember you, you're not in circulation yet, but I'm going to destroy you before you do. And when it destroys that thing, it also damages intestinal lining and ends up creating the process, making the process kind of amplified over time. So you, to, to, to kind of wrap this up, stress is nonspecific. So when you consider a fighter, the amount of psychological and emotional and physical stress that they're under from that lifestyle and the training they have to do, their stress, there's no like, it's massive peaks and valleys. It's very difficult. Even you guys are so on top of your breathing and your meditation. Like it's amazing that you guys do that. But even that lifestyle, even when you have that, those routines in check, you're still going to have those peaks and valleys, especially when it comes to fight camp. And uh, my job is to, is to identify if those peaks are creating gastrointestinal problems, which are resulting and future food sensitivities. So I hope that made sense. That's just kind of why we have to continue to repeat it. And it's a good example and reflection of the beginning of the podcast where we said that physiology changes. Yes, it does. And that, that means also dietary uh, intake must change as well. And that's why we do that type of testing. Damn, that's, yeah. I mean, you put it fucking perfectly. What it, for? What's the best place to get your, your lab tests for someone who's says they have, say they have 500 to a thousand bucks and they want to get their lab tested. Is it even possible? Oh uh, yeah, absolutely, man. But the, what I would want to, to extremely put as a red flag before I answer is the labs don't provide the value. The interpreter of the labs provides the value. All right. Like that, just a basic blood chemistry panel there, uh, there is almost nobody interpreting that properly for athletes. So uh, for example, uh, I've got this hyper simple uh, continuum that, that I explained to people. It's a three point continuum. And this is a health continuum. There's death, fake health, and real health. Real simple. Death means you're dead. Fake health is simply the absence of disease. So this person, I call it fake health because, you know, they're technically healthy uh, for the average person, but the average person is the opposite of what I want to be. Because just because you have an absence of disease, almost all of these people have low energy, low sex drive, 
They're carrying too much body fat. They have trouble building muscle. They have terrible movement pattern um, execution with respect to athleticism. They have trouble sleeping at night. They can't manage their stress. They're not breathing with their belly. They're not doing any of these things that create a real vibrant person who's going to reach their potential. So 90 plus percent of people hang out in fake health because they've been sold that that is actual health. That's simply the absence of disease somehow represents that you're living to your fullest potential. That's nonsense. I hang out over here in real health. These are people that are vibrating at a different frequency. These are the people that are killing their bucket list. They know this is one life, they're after it. They don't have brain fog. They've got energy throughout the day to kill their to-do list. They have an ability to build muscle and drop body fat. They have clarity. They, these are the people, this is why people come to me. They wanna be over here. So if you get a, an interpreter that utilizes normal reference ranges, that keep you here, then that's the type of result that you're going to get. You know, if you want to be the average American, be my guest, man. Yeah, you could have fast food every single week and you can feel like shit and you might not have a disease, but you're certainly not going to be living to your potential. So that's why I say the interpreter is the most important because the labs are equal uh, regardless of who you, uh, of, of where you get them from. It's the interpreter, the experience that they have the grip that they have on the scientific literature and whether or not they've actually created their own reference ranges. And that's what I've had to do. Uh, there are normal ranges on all labs. And you've probably seen this in my, in my videos for Sean, there are normal ranges, but then I've got my own optimal ranges and my optimal ranges put you over here. So you can get labs basically anywhere, especially in the States. It's so much easier than here in Canada, but um, it's the interpreter that brings the true value there. And so for like a simple package with you, for you to break it down and help them out, uh, say one time, how much you, how much you do? So for, from me for just a blood chemistry, it would be 1500. That's like one of my most popular packages. Um, I order, and I actually throw in urine testing and the cell function test in there too. So I'll have somebody do a blood chemistry, a urine analysis and undergo my cell function test. And I'll order it all and include the labs plus a video, plus my protocol design, all that stuff. I do that for 1500, but then my, my packages that include everything go anywhere from 10 grand all the way up to 120 grand. So yeah. that it, it, it can get ex quite extreme very quickly. Some of my top, top tier guys will just have say retainer 10 K per month kind of deal. But, um, yeah, 1500. The amount of value you can gain from 1500 is absolutely extreme though. That's, there's a reason that's the most popular one. It's not just because price it's because that blood chem is beautiful for really bringing people to the next level. And only like the, the one percenters of the world, I, I even consider, I don't take everybody on. I, I'm more of someone who likes to work with less people so I can give them more attention. Yeah. That's like how, how I like to operate. And, um, that, that, uh, that, 10 K plus package. It's kind of like an uh, apply only type of thing because a lot of people don't need it. Yeah. Sweet. So do you, are, do you still, are you still running a, the training programs where people can get certified through you? Absolutely. Yep. And the, the, there's going to, there's new stuff coming down the pipe too. I mean, if I was a young kid coming out of high school and I wanted to get into, I mean, sports nutrition and all this stuff, I definitely probably would not be going to college. I'd be hitting up Dan Garner. Thanks, buddy. Um, yeah, that's what one thing I can say about, um, I don't know, I guess choosing people to learn from is you want to choose somebody to learn from who is results oriented. 
That's like something I would tell myself if I was younger, because um, again, you can get infatuated with ideas. There, there's people out there that'll, that'll put you under their spell because they're charismatic and they're always the guy, right? Like you've got the paleo guy, the carnivore guy, the vegan guy, the fasting guy. Uh, you might have the gut health guy, the mitochondria guy, the thyroid guy. There's these people who all fall under this, the guy scenario, but those people, they're dangerous and they don't progress the health field forward because they try and make even people who are squares fit into a circular box. And there's never going to be a one size fits all for everybody. But when you're young and new in the industry, you kind of have almost the arrogance that you've got it figured out. Like we all had that phase in life between like 16 and maybe 25, <laughs> where we thought we had it figured out. And then we got older and we realized we were freaking morons. Uh, that, that can happen a lot in the world of nutrition. So my key piece of advice, if anybody's new and thinking about getting into this kind of thing, seek someone who's results oriented, because a guy like me, I don't care what I will use the tool that's required to get the job done. That's what I, then that's basically my philosophy at which I, I operate based upon results. And I don't care what tool I got to use in order to get the job done. And in a lot of cases, labs are a beautiful way to, to kick that process off because it removes my athlete's bias. And then it also removes my bias. So then we're both forced to be results focused instead of philosophy focused. Yeah. I mean, that's crazy. It's just crazy how much people get away with starting their own thing. Like the the carnivore guy or what kind of, what kind of things you see going wrong because they can sell it. Like I'm a doctor. This is the science. I'm really healthy. Look at me. This is what you should be eating. What kind of things can be dangerous with doing absolutist diets like that? Um, the, the dangers behind it, uh, it's, <laughs> You're going to find, okay, like this, this is a very big thing, right? Because you come across somebody who has a one size fits all diet for everyone without even getting into the science behind it. Does it really make a whole lot of sense that there's a one sits, you know, like everybody has a different microbiome. Everybody comes from a different area of the world. We all have different genetics. We all have different psychological and emotional stressors. We all have different preferences. We all have different environments. We all have different cultures. You know, we all have different epigenetics. We all have so uh, different goals. We have different, uh, the, to compare Sean's output to my output is crazy. To compare your output to my output is great. Like it, it doesn't really make, it starts not making sense very quickly, even on the surface level. And then when you say, uh, you know, you know, when you, you said, uh, but the guy said, I'm a doctor. So, and this is the way. That whenever somebody like kind of falls on a piece of paper they have uh, rather than scientific literature and client-based results, it's kind of dangerous because, you know, if John Jones said today, hey, you know what? The most realistic submission to pull off in an MMA fight is a go-go plata. It's the most realistic one. It's the easiest to pull off. We'd be like, hey, you know, I know you're probably the best of all time, but that doesn't make sense. It, it's really not making sense that that's going to be the go-to for everybody moving forward just because you had that credential. It's, it's so important. And even to me, everybody listening should deploy a critical mindset when it comes to any recommendation that is going to impact the outcome of their health. Uh, you should always begin questioning the process. Uh, and let's just, you know, kind of continue um, in the world of any type of, let's just use carnivore. It's an extreme approach, right? Uh, you, you lose a lot of things along the way. I think 
you know, scientifically speaking, and this would be an, uh, not an exhaustive list, but like it's impossible to get things such as uh, catechins from uh, from meat. Catechins being ex extremely uh, well documented source of antioxidants from green tea. Green tea contains epicatechins. Many many excellent studies about how that impacts systemic health. Um, quercetin, same thing. You'll never find it in meat, but it is abundant in plant foods. Uh, you just miss things. And then uh, fiber, fiber, fiber is something that shouldn't even be categorized because fiber. There are many different types of fiber like pectin is excellent type of fiber for blood sugar management uh inulin is a type of fiber that it acts as a prebiotic to uh, incite the growth of bifidobacterium species within the gut that creates many positive outcomes uh a resistant starch you'll find in potatoes that's beneficial for colon health but it also is uh, converted into short chain fatty acids to reduce inflammation and improve insulin sensitivity so like we, it's there are so many things that we kind of miss along the way but even you know ignoring let's get out of the mechanisms because i really i don't want to bore people down with science but the science conversation would absolutely destroy an absolutist approach mm -hmm. but um even just thinking about it uh consistency is more important than anything else so if 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 you could have the most scientifically perfect diet in the world but if you can't remain consistent to it it'll never give you results it'll be nothing more than a piece of paper you magneted to your fridge uh, consistency and, and following the program is key. So whenever you come across a, a diet, one of the first things that you should say is, do I realistically see myself following this 12 months from now? If the answer is no, then it's not the approach for you mm. because it, it, short belts of intense dieting have the opposite effect. You're going to be on the roller coaster for the rest of your life. But when you take a type of balanced, realistic approach, and certainly one that's more individualized for your individual biochemistry, that's something that you're going to be able to remain consistent with because it's more realistic and it's taking you into consideration rather than their marketing into consideration. Yeah. And with those like absolutist diets, people just, people try them for maybe a week and they stop eating the shit they usually eat. And then they just think it's, it, it's the way. So in, in your point of view, how important is how important is organic food compared to non-organic food? Um, I think that it's, it's good, but I don't think that it's critical. And I actually used to think that it was critical. Back in, back in my earlier years, I was uh, learning from certain authorities. And uh, I, 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 you know, when, when you're new in the industry, you almost allow uh, dogmatic thinking, which is, which is allowing other people to do your thinking for you. That, that happens a lot. And then when I started, you know, deploying a critical mindset and looking into the literature myself, I was finding that when I would read studies, I would have a different interpretation of what they saw, or I would see things that they didn't even see at all. And it was like kind of false reporting or bias reporting or fitting a marketing deal. Like you'll see this so much, man. It's like the difference, the difference between principles and methods and nutrition, uh, coaches use principles, marketers use methods. If anybody's trying to sell you a thing and like, that's the thing that's marketing, that's business. That's somebody who wants to sell you their thing because they're not an actual coach. Um, a, a real coach doesn't really care what tool they use. They just want to get the job done. So they use principles like that old quote the, of principles. There are few of methods. There are many, a real coach understands the principles. So he selects the correct methods to get the job done. Whereas a marketer really doesn't understand human metabolism. So he really gets a strong grip on only one method. And then 
that's all he goes with. And to take this back, there are some people who fall all the way in love with organic eating. And dude, is it bad? Of course not. Uh, organic, organic eating is better than not organic eating. That is for sure. There's no doubt there. I do agree with that. It just doesn't seem to be as important as some people make it out to be and that you can achieve a very high level of health in the absence of organic eating. So if you can't afford it, I don't want you to have a binary approach to nutrition. It's like, I can't afford to eat healthy. So fuck it. I'm just going to do whatever it's that, that that's a terrible, instead of all or nothing, you should think always something that should be your mantra, never all or nothing, but always something. So if organic is a 10, but non-organic is an eight, dude, you can afford this thing and you can still knock out some absolutely incredible results. So it's not as, you know, long story short, I have these long winded answers here because my brain gets on fire with this stuff. No, I love it. But yeah. um, you, you don't need organic to accomplish your goals. You really don't. But it is additive. Yeah. So just pretty much doing the best you can at eat, yes. eating organic. Yeah. It, it, it was interesting talking to Andy Galpin, talking about like organic eggs versus non-organic eggs. And he said that he had the same answer. He's like, it's not as important as you think it is. Like a little yeah. bit of eating a little bit of something organic. I mean, non-organic isn't really going to fuck you up. But what would you say in your mind? Three, if, if you could only have three supplements from, from say Thorne nutrition, what are three essential ones that you think athletes, maybe jujitsu athletes, MMA athletes are missing out just the, the three subs. Okay. Three subs that, uh, that the jujitsu athletes or athletes in general should be taking in. Um, you know, there's going to get nominated for the most boring answer of the year, but the first one would, would be a multivitamin. Uh, for real, if, if you look like um, there's charts out there in, in nutritional biochemistry where you're looking at biochemical pathways. So what does it take for saturated fat to eventually become testosterone? What does it take for L-tyrosine to eventually become dopamine? What does it take for phenylalanine to eventually become uh, epinephrine and norepinephrine? These metabolic pathways are known mechanisms. And they all require micronutrients. So let's just use, let's just use that example. So we've got L-tyrosine, which is an amino acid found in protein. It's very rich in red meat and eggs. So we've got L-tyrosine and let's say we ultimately want to make dopamine. So dopamine, it's a neurotransmitter, neurotransmitter for motivation, drive, and attention span. So if you're somebody who reads a page of a book and then you put it down and someone asks you what you just read and you can't even answer, like, I don't actually know. I kind of just read the page and it's already gone. That's somebody who's very low dopamine, trouble concentration. Tyrosine. Or too stoned. Or too, or too stoned. <laughs> yeah, that, that might have an effect on <laughs> dopamine status. Uh, tyrosine gets converted to L-dopa. L-dopa then gets converted over into dopamine but only if there's enough vitamin B6. B6 is absolutely required for the conversion of L-DOPA into dopamine. So if somebody, and this happens, dude, if somebody is like, man, I lack concentration, memory, um, is, should I do a breathing routine? Should I do meditation? Those things will help with mind control, concentration, and focus. But when it's a chemistry problem, I don't really care how good your breathing is because this is a chemistry problem. You lack B6 to make dopamine. So no matter how awesome your morning routine is and your evening routine and your journaling, no matter how awesome those things are, they don't solve chemistry. 
So B6 was absolutely required there. But then this metabolic pathway actually continues because then if you want to convert dopamine into epinephrine and norepinephrine, or the, the audience will know as adrenaline and noradrenaline, one's a hormone, one's a neurotransmitter, you can convert dopamine and keep going down that pathway, but only if you have enough vitamin C and copper. They are both required for the enzymes to catalyze for that conversion to take place. And a lot of people don't take, and uh, maybe I'll rephrase my original answer of a multivitamin to a good multivitamin. <laughs> you said thorn. So I was able to just say, yeah, yeah, you know, multivitamin. But a lot of people go to Costco, they go, they go to a local grocery store, they got some $6 multivitamin and wonder why they don't feel better. Yeah, because $6 of crap is, is crap in equals crap out. The, the, you always get what you pay for. That's another lesson I've learned in nutrition. Um, you get, if you buy a cheap supplement, then that's exactly the results that you should expect. If you bought a coach who charges you 20 bucks, that's the exact results that you should expect. You know, that that's, that's just how life is. And that works for everything, man. You need vitamin D and magnesium and zinc in order to make testosterone from fatty acids. You need iodine and selenium to make thyroid hormones to ensure that your metabolism is high. You need uh, just, uh, just to burn glucose in a muscle cell requires B1, B2, B3, B5, and lipoate. These are like, I could continue going on those nutritional biochemistry things. It's like photographed in my brain. When I look up, it's like, I'm looking at these weird things in the air that I can see. And I'm pointing, I can pointing as I do this because it's all there. Cause it's all relevant. And, uh, I couldn't tell you just as a point of experience, I couldn't tell you how many people I've seen low in B vitamins an unbelievable amount of people, very low in B vitamins. I see it very consistently. So my very first supplement recommendation is boring, but it's not because it allows everything else to work better. And that is a multivitamin. And even with the, with the, with yeah, the, oh, sorry, with the multivitamin, even for someone like you who has their nutrition probably pretty dialed in, if they're eating like quality foods, um, kind of top to bottom, good organic veggies, good uh, grass-fed organic meats. Are people like that still even low in B vitamins sometimes? Yeah, most of the time, actually. So consider population bias though, too, because I work with high performers. So uh, like the, if an average person with an average energy expenditure and an average stress load, um, they may, and they, but an excellent diet, then they may not require it, maybe, but I work with high performers. So I work with you, with Sean, um, MLB players, uh, PGA golfers. I work with NHL and NFL athletes. I work with, that's my jam. That's my passion. That's what I do. And a certainty that I've come across in my career is that it was a whole lot easier to set a world record in 1950 that it is in 2022. So the demands that athletes place on their body and therefore the depletions that they place on their body through training uh, to get that to be a one percenter in 2022 requires a tremendous amount of tissue breakdown through excellent training. Um, and even things such as stress, for example, cortisol, you utilize magnesium every single time you have a stress response. So that's one of the reasons why so many people require additional magnesium is that uh, you're dealing with a big stressor. And then you add a training load on top of that. Even if you had an amazing diet, 
the amount of micronutrient gaps that you need to fill in order to reach your maximum potential on a consistent basis, it's very, very difficult to do with diet alone. It's possible, but normally it puts people out of the caloric requirement. So again, we keep using Sean as an example, but it's a good springboard for us. Um, he, when he starts fight camp, you know, I, I like to have him basically in a three phase system. I'll have him off season. And then at eight weeks out or 10 weeks out, we will do a bridging system where he'll bridge from the off season to fight camp. And then six weeks out his fight camp will start. Well, that process, the dude's a big 135er. So I actually have to have him in a slight calorie deficit to continue getting leaner throughout fight camp. But if I wanted all of those nutrients to come from food alone, I would have probably have to put him in a surplus. So like we're talking about a situation where he has to eat fewer calories than he's expending on a daily basis so that he gets leaner so that it's a better weight cut. But then because he's training, he has a very high nutrient demand in the form of vitamins and minerals. So calories are going low, but nutrient demand is going high at the same time because he's increasing his training intensity. So if calories are going to be here, I kind of have to have supplements to make up that gap so I can increase his vitamin and mineral intake without impacting his caloric intake so that he still makes weight easy. Yeah, damn, that's really good. So number one, probably mo most important is a quality multivitamin. And then number two is what? Uh, number two is likely going to come in the form of magnesium. Magnesium is something that's absolutely critical. Um, and the reason why, uh, so just statistically speaking, this is from N. Haynes data, up to 50% of the American population does not meet the RDA, so the recommended dairy dietary intake of magnesium. Five zero, not 15, 50%. Yeah, so we're over 100 million people, right? That, that's a, a staggering, over 150 million people. That's a staggering number of people not meeting the magnesium intake. Now, here's the thing. When you look in sports science literature, athletes have an up to 20% higher need of magnesium because you lose magnesium in your sweat. You also lose magnesium through muscular contraction. You also lose magnesium with a stress response. So athletes, already 50% of the population is not meeting their daily recommended need for magnesium. Then athletes still require another 20%. So imagine a hard training athlete who is not taking in any form of supplemental magnesium. It is, it's a recipe where you're asking for issues to take place. And magnesium, there's a, magnesium has over 600 biochemical reactions in the body. Uh, most people, when you hear it on podcasts and stuff, um, p uh, people will say it has over 300 biochemical reactions, but that's old data. It's over 600 biochemical reactions that magnesium's involved in right now um, that we know of within physiology. And I'll go over two important ones um, because going over 600 might go over the time <laughs> slot we have for this podcast. <laughs> uh, the two important ones, uh, we'll keep it MMA specific. Number one is you actually use magnesium to use uh, carbs as a form of anaerobic fuel. So when Sean is, or you, or you're wrestling and you're going those hard rounds where you're, you're activating your anaerobic energy system. So you can make energy in the absence of oxygen, but you cannot make energy in the absence of oxygen if you don't have enough magnesium. So magnesium.
potassium, you have a uh, glucose will hang out outside of a muscle cell. And then just to get glucose in the muscle cell requires magnesium. And then you require magnesium again, in order to produce something known as ATP, adenosine triphosphate, which is energy. So just that process involves magnesium to turn carbs into energy. And that's kind of like where a guy like me comes into play because someone like, uh, like you might be like, man, I need to do some more conditioning workouts. I'm running out of steam. These 10 minute rounds, like they're gnarly right now. You may not have a conditioning problem. You may have low magnesium. Damn. Like the people will, that's a hundred percent app. I've done that a million times in my career where someone's like, God, I got to run more sprints. I got to work out with Brandon more. I got to do all kinds of stuff. All those things are great, man. Cause they can increase the, the potential at which you would have improved your conditioning, but a system will only perform to the degree that it is constrained. And if you're being constrained by your magnesium status, then all the additional conditioning workouts in the world are not going to replace that. In fact, they're probably going to deplete you more. <laughs> and then you're going to think you get even more frustrated. It's like, dude, I'm not progressing. I'm plateaued. What should I do? You just lacked an important nutrient responsible for the metabolic pathway of generating energy for jujitsu. That's magnesium. So magnesium plays a huge role in that. And magnesium is also very important for regulating electrolytes. So um, we basically, you know, an, an easy way to think about it is, uh, is in the context, let's just use a weird analogy, okay? Let's say you had a dead frog in front of you right now. If we sprinkled salt on his legs, his legs would actually start to move and contract. And that's because salt causes muscular contraction. But if we sprinkled some potassium on his legs, even if they were contracting, they would begin to relax. And that's because salt causes muscular contraction. Potassium causes muscular relaxation. So we need, that's how electrolytes work kind of in a nutshell. But what a lot of people don't know, and this kind of goes back to what I said previously, magnesium is, plays a very huge role on the outer wall of the muscle cell. And magnesium actually regulates internal and external concentrations of sodium and potassium in a muscle cell. So even if somebody had excellent sodium and potassium for muscular contraction and muscular relaxation, it doesn't really mean anything if the doorman didn't show up. Magnesium regulates both of them. So not only is it regulating in many ways your ability to actually use carbs for fuel, whether aerobically or anaerobically, by the way, I did emphasize anaerobic, but it is both. And it also is going to impact hydration status. So if somebody has like unexplainable cramps, they cramp a lot. Uh, that is nearly always magnesium status because there is an improper regulation of electrolyte concentration. So magnesium would be number two, probably there. Damn. That's some fucking good info there. Okay. How about number three? Number three, uh, uh, you know, I'd probably change my mind 17 times if, uh, if I was asked this question 17 times. But um, it's likely going to be fish oil. Um, and, and, and just because of very few people eat enough, say, salmon or algae in order to get their adequate intake of omega-3s in per day. That's, uh, that's uh, and again, like, holy, could I be more boring? That's kind of, you know, that's coming from a guy who's results oriented. I yeah. could have given you like three really cool things, but, uh, dude, without the foundation in place, 
uh, you're not going to, the cool things don't mean anything unless you have your foundation in place. Because the foundation, as you can see, um, everything works better once those micronutrient gaps are filled. And fatty acids are a micronutrient. So uh, omega-3s, they do contain um, uh, a caloric value, but there are components of fatty acids, we don't need to get into that, that um, are considered micronutrients, but they're impactful in the world of MMA in many different reasons, uh, for many different reasons, rather. Um, probably the one of most relevance to this audience would be inflammation management. Um, being able to regulate inflammation is very key for high performing athletes doing a lot of training. So um, let's, let's just talk about inflammation and how fish oil can actually help build muscle mass over the course of time. Um, if somebody was going to train, we actually want to be inflamed. That is the, the, uh, that's how we create progress. So uh, what's, what's important for people to understand is you don't actually build muscle in the gym. You don't build strength in the gym and you don't build power in the gym. What you do is stimulate muscle growth in the gym, stimulate muscle strength in the gym or stimulate power development in the gym. Everything you do outside of the gym determines whether or not you're actually going to adapt to that stimulus. So we've all met people like that who legitimately train hard, but don't have a lot to show for it. That's somebody who's all stimulus, no adaptation. But then at the same time, we've also met those kind of wimpy people who's diet and recovery processes are so good that they forgot to train hard. This is this person who's overly focused on recovery and breathing and all of those things. And they're so focused on it that they don't even really need it because they don't actually train that hard. That's why when someone says, you know, Hey, yeah, Dan, I know you're big in nutrition, man. And nutrition's 80% training's 20%. That's bullshit. And it's nonsense. Training is a hundred percent and nutrition is a hundred percent. Because training is a stimulus and nutrition is the adaptation. One doesn't mean anything without the other. So you have to treat both with equal importance and stop trying to jostle things in your mind to give yourself a break. It's, that's nonsense. Stimulus and adaptation are both required if you want optimal results. Now, this actually comes down to inflammation because when you're doing that stimulus response that I just mentioned, that's inflammation. So inflammation's never static. Someone's inflammation throughout the day will look something like that. All right. Now, when you train, it's purposeful inflammation. So nothing. And then Tim trains here. And then you get that big spike. And that spike is the signal and the noise where your body says, holy crap, I just was put under a huge amount of stress. I better adapt to that stress in the form of becoming stronger, bigger, or more conditioned, whatever that stress was, whatever workout you did, I better adapt to that stress so that I can come back and better handle it next time. That's how progress works, but it's inflammation mediated. This is an inflammatory response that demanded an adaptive response from our physiology. Now, if somebody's chronically inflamed, so let's say instead of their inflammation being here and their signal for training being like that, if somebody has chronically high uh, inflammation from uh, processed foods, poor mindset, stress, um, eating just junk, you know, not training properly, being, being overweight, these are all things that drive inflammation. Their inflammation's up here. So then their training actually gets lost in the noise. If there's no stimulus response, this is something known as anabolic resistance within the literature because you don't have 
an inflammatory stimulus to make progress because it got lost in the noise. You can also compare it to like, if you threw a big rock into calm water, it would create a big rippling effect and you'd see everything. But if you threw a rock into a stormy ocean, you wouldn't even see where it landed because it just got lost in the noise. That's what training is like when you're extremely inflamed. So when this is why I mentioned fish oil and I'm going to bring it all back now. Oh, fatty acids. You're going to hear a whole lot of things about antioxidants and, you know, uh, drinking acai juice and all kinds of stuff about how that impacts. Nothing impacts inflammation more than the current fatty acid status of the body, period. End of story. So what we want to do is correct our omega-3 ratio. We introduce omega-3s and we're able to regulate inflammation more effectively so that we can create a better signal in the noise and ultimately invest our time in the gym rather than just spend our time in the gym because we're being lost in anabolic resistance. That lowered inflammation will also lower inflammation in your joints so they feel better while you're rolling. Omega-3s are also connected to improved sleep quality. They're also connected to improving symptoms of depression and loneliness. They're also improved to uh, connect, rather connected to improving gut health. They reduce something known as a, a lipopolysaccharide, which is a bad bacteria in our gut that actually uh, uh, contributes to the intestinal permeability that we talked about previously. I mean, the, the benefits could go on forever, you guys, but omega-3s, magnesium and multivitamin, is the most boring, but most effective combination that you will take to ensure you have the foundation for success and nothing's more important than your foundation. Dude, it's fucking money. I mean, it's going to help so many people, but how did you, how did you decide in your mind that like, okay, thorns, a thorns, a, a good supplement. I mean, it's a, it's a trustworthy supplement. How did you decide that? Yeah. So um, the decision was made for me by looking at their quality process. I, like I, I'm comfortable saying I would go with any other company as well if they had the same quality process. That's like, uh, I have no emotional tie to Thorn. They just have a beautiful process where they actually, so they source from extremely high quality um, areas, the full bulk product, right? That's sourced from an already quality tested area. They bring in the bulk product and then test it in-house. And then they actually put their products together and test it again. So it go undergoes three tests before it ever reaches you. Whereas other supplement companies, wow, Z zero, you, you have no, and I've posted on Instagram several times, the amount of insane contaminations that other supplements have. Um, if an athlete is going to, uh, you know, if an athlete's being tested, they have to be extremely worried about this kind of stuff, but also just anybody, like you don't want something in your body that you didn't plan on having in your body. Like, uh, I actually just posted, um, a, uh, a review that included over 2,600 samples and within the weight loss category of the sample. So there's 319, um, supplements that were marketed for weight loss. 34% of them contained a compound known as DNP. DNP is such a powerful fat loss tool that even the most reckless drug users in the bodybuilding world don't even touch due to its toxicity and history of literally killing people. 
DNP has killed many, many people. And that's also in the literature as well. That's not something you just have to hear from someone. Um, there's been an incline in deaths from DNP since the 2000, since really 2000 when it became more popular. But dude, if, if you meet bodybuilders, they're not afraid of drugs. Like these are some of the most drug educated and drug using populations on the planet. They don't even use DNP. So the fact that 34% of these samples contain DNP, which is known to cause problems, it also contained um, a, 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 was a laxative that is carcinogenic and genotoxic. It was 6% of the samples contained that, like carcin a known carcinogen that causes cancer. Like that, that was in the product, which is insane. Uh, there was other things in there too. Like I, the whole review is on my, uh, is on my Instagram, but that's, you know, that's, for me and for the athletes, because I want that clean of a process so that the athlete doesn't take anything in their body that they weren't planning on taking in their body. But number two, I keep data on all my athletes. So like if a, a, the, the results of a certain protocol, what happened to the labs, what diet and supplement protocol were they on when the labs did this? What were they on when the labs did this? All of that data collection is in-house. And if I have random factors that I don't know about, that actually hurts my coaching practice too. Because if a protocol did worse or better than it otherwise should have been, and I'm not accounting for the hidden drugs that freaking supplement company put in their products, then it messes up my statistic collection on how I'm going to help people in the future. And it also puts something in my athlete's supplementation that never belonged there in the first place. So Thorn is excellent, but the, the real lesson is that if you find anybody that's third-party tested, you're doing your physiology a whole world of good because the supplement world is still like the wild west. It's extremely unregulated. Damn. So it'll say on the, on the supplement if it's third-party tested? Yes. Yeah. And they'll actually, if it's a great company, they'll actually give you a serial number so that you can, you can look online the results of your specific batch. So that's another good advantage of Thorn. You can actually scan your code and see the outcome of the third-party testing of the exact product you're taking in that batch that it was in. So any, any company uh, who doesn't do that should, should raise a huge question. Sweet. Well, dude, I'm so fucking thankful that you're part of the part of the team. And I can't even tell you how much you've been a part of all these past wins, especially for sugar. And you're going to help so many people listening now, but uh, we'll definitely have to do round two soon. Uh, thank you so much, Dan. Yeah, dude, I would love to do round two. Anytime you want to talk shop, just hit me up, dude. I'm down. Let's do Thanks it. for having me. Uh, at Dan Garner Nutrition on Instagram, right? Yep. Fuck yeah, dude. You the man. Thanks so much, Dan. I'll talk to you soon. Cool. Cheers, buddy. Peace, brother. Yeah. So there we go. Uh, my people. Our people. Yeah. Uh, the Thorn Supplements. I mean, that's fucking great shit there. That's why I said I'm going to come out with this store. I already talked to the Thorn, one of the, the higher ups in the Thorn, and they're, they're going to make a kind of my own store there so I can decide the discount. I'll probably put it on Patreon only, but then we can have the essential supplements on there and for a pretty, pretty fat discount. So I'm going to get that going. Um, yeah. Thanks to Dan. I mean, that's some good shit there. I've been keeping up on my magnesium. I slack sometimes on my fish oil. So I got to get back on that going. And for me, I eat pretty quality foods top to bottom. I mean, organic veggies, meats, 
but I am training fucking hard. So I bet you I am super deficient in some of those things he said because I haven't been doing a multivitamin. But I mean, there we go, boys. Multivitamin, fish oil, magnesium, especially for training hard. Jay, you been hitting any subs or you kind of hit your subs and then you don't? I was like, um, I was on the thorn for like a couple months where they would send it every 45 days, the multivitamins. Yeah. But then I, I forgot why, like I stopped. I think I switched my debit card and then, or I got a new debit card and I never updated it, but I, I'm going to hop on it again. But I've been taking the Jockos like at night, have you? like for the joints. And then there's one that you take. I wonder if that's third party tested. I'd have to look. Yeah. I wonder. I mean, yeah. So I got a, I got a busy few, I mean, next few weeks. We're going to start this this cop program, too, to where cops can train at the gym for, like, super discounted price. And then I'm going to start, I'm going to start this program to where if you're, like, I guess on food stamps or if you're kind of a low income, that there's going to be a, a program to where you guys can, can train. And then, I'm, and then I'm going to try to get to where uh, we can get some, like, homeschooled kids in here, too, so the... For you, for you homeschoolers can get a little bit of, I mean, learn how to communicate with fucking kids and learn how to talk with adults. Jordan Peterson was saying how important it is at three and four years old to be a part of a, uh, I mean, be a part of something and learn how to be enjoyable around people I'm, and learn how to be around friends, maybe three other three, four year old friends, be around friends and they want to hang out with you at that age. And um, at that age to listen to other adults and be a pleasant to be around. Like it's formed at that age compared to someone who's just super sheltered and then they get out in the real world and then they just don't know how to communicate. They don't know how to make friends. They don't know how to be enjoyable to be around. And then it, and then they just look at people like, Oh, people don't like me or, I mean, we know people like that. So it'll be good to get the, the kids program popping, get the cops in here. I mean, it'll be like a, a discounted program for the cops until they get their blue belt. Um, so it'll be good. I mean, we got a lot of shit going on. Fucking allergies are bullshit. Real bullshit. Uh, yeah, that's perfect, guys. Thanks for supporting. And remember, like and subscribe. It fucking helps out more than you think. Uh, we're growing pretty quick. Thanks to JX. Um, doing the editing. I mean, it's a real fucking fart art, art form being able to edit, put everything together. So we're super thankful for that. Um, got some news, good news about potential fight for sugar coming up here. So hopefully he'll be able to drop that soon, but just keep getting better. Just getting better and doing shit we want. So, okay. Uh, see you guys next week. Peace. Peter, gonna shuffle in. I'm gonna throw it two, one, and I'm gonna come over to the top.